Welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Forbes, and it is a lovely Sunday afternoon, and I am joined today by Newman. Mr. Brandon Brister is actually joining us remotely from Indianapolis, Indiana, special guest. Then we also have my lovely wife, and person I'm amazed hasn't divorced me yet during quarantine, Jackie Forbes. So, here we are, guys. Fourth week, or is this the fifth week? I can't even keep up anymore. I, th- I think Monday begins the fifth week of quarantine officially. Um, I got to ask you guys, uh, it's been a long time since we've done a podcast um, in general and about sports. <laughs> Hasn't been a lot to talk about, but obviously with the draft next week. But I want to know, you know, how is this whole thing, you know, coronavirus, how, how has it impacted your life the most? Oh. Uh. For me, um, mainly just a pretty social person. I didn't, I don't know what to do with all this free time, like video games, TV shows, movies. Um, yeah, just filling the void of free time has been very difficult. I know that's a first world problem, um, but uh, I've never slept more. I've never ate more. I've never drank more. So, Yeah, so... Just so our, our listeners know, uh, the person speaking now is Brandon Brister, uh, and he's actually talking to us from Indianapolis. So, Brandon, I got a lot of questions for you because we've been kind of enjoying the quarantine down here from sunny Florida. And for the most part, you know, for the four weeks, we've we've enjoyed really nice weather. So at least we've been able to get outside. How, how was it in the beginning? You know, I don't know how the weather is up there right now, but how was it in the beginning, you know, when, when you guys couldn't even go outside? Yeah, I mean, it just snowed in Chicago last week, oh like God. a couple inches of snow. Um, here in Indy, it's been raining. I mean, it's a really, really wet spring. Um, so, yeah, sitting there, working at home with the laptop and just rain on the window um, can be a little bit of a downer for sure. For sure. Um, so you, you've been working at home fully? Yes. And so yep. you, you both you and your wife, Sasha, both working from home 100 percent? Yeah, we kind of have our desk set up right in the dining room. Um, got multiple laptops on there and kind of working like cubicle mates. Nice. Um, we now have all of our go-to workplace cliches down. We almost know <laughs> what we're going to say before we say it. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Well, uh, Newman, how about you, man? Yeah, so the, the quarantine happened pretty much right on my birthday, like uh, – was when everything got shut down. Uh, I, I did get to make it to the beach for my birthday, and then they pretty much shut them down, like, the day later. Yeah. Uh, which is insane. Um, we missed out on some good holidays, you know, like St. Patrick's Day and, and uh, Easter and stuff like that. We've, uh, we've, but I think the biggest travesty for most of us here in this room is just the lack of sports, right? So I'm a huge sports junkie. I, I, I live it and breathe it. It's, uh, it's my main passion and focus, and, um, not having, especially you know, when you when you have a Florida State team that that has a chance to actually make a run in the, in the tournament, and then then that gets wiped out, it's it's really really disappointing, devastating. Yeah, uh, and then you've got, I mean, baseball, right? Like the other thing I enjoy other than actual sports is fantasy sports, and I'm I'm lost without this fix of of normally I'm, I'm d- deep into a fantasy baseball season at this point in time, and we're just without it at this point so yeah so uh, let's let's walk back to so the the week the sports died or specifically the day all sports died 
Um, I don't know about you guys, but every headline I saw would just take a little bit of my soul away. And then you'd have like these, these reports. There was a report that came out and it gave me a little chub. It said, uh, the XFL is going to ride out coronavirus. And I'm like, hell yes. Like, dude, that's great. I think it's a great business decision for them. And this is obviously at a time where, you know, we were super naive about the whole thing. But I was like, dude, this could be the thing that separates the XFL. And then they canceled. And then it just kept canceling. And then I feel like, you know, as time went on, it got even more terrifying. Like, oh, shit, are we not going to have football this year? <laughs> So, I mean, what do you remember that week? I mean, that I'll remember that week for the rest of my life. Uh, I, what, what was going through your guys' head when things were just getting canceled left and right? Yeah, so I remember I was actually uh, on, on the couch ready to watch Florida State tip, and then 15 minutes before the, they tip off, they announced that the ACC has canceled their tournament. Like, oh. they were about to play it out, right? And uh, some other conferences had already started canceling it. Some conferences were playing, right? There was literally games on earlier. And then Florida State was supposed to tip, and they canceled it. And I was like, oh, 15 more minutes to start the game. I would have at least gotten to watch one more. Man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was watching TV when the whole thing broke with um, the basketball player, uh, Rudy Gobert, came down with it. And then that's pretty much what triggered NBA stopped. And then, you know, everything else just snowballed after that uh, into the cancellations. And it was a. Uh, it was kind of crazy. Like I'm watching it. I'm like, Oh really? They're going to shut down. Okay. Well, how long is this going to last for the NBA? And then they started canceling everything else. And it's just like, Oh my God. It's like, becomes more and more of a, Oh man, what's going to happen next? What's going to get canceled next? And so during this, well, when all this stuff was getting canceled, I was actually in sunny Florida traveling at a bachelor party. (laughs) So, you know, I wasn't practicing any kind of social (laughs) distancing or safety hygiene regulations whatsoever. And I didn't take it serious until that Sunday going in the airport. I mean, I don't know if you guys have known anyone that's traveled during this, but I mean, it is like a horror movie going through an airport. I mean, it is, everyone is just on edge and it's just unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, it was, it was kind of terrifying. When was that? That was Sunday, March 15th, I think. Okay. Yeah, so that was that was right when it was... I mean, for, the 14th was when things really hit the fan. Uh, the yeah. entire XFL weekend was canceled. Um, I believe March Madness. So let's just go around. Well, first of all, I, I want to ask my wife. Um, my wife is a obsessive UNC fan. Well, guess what? 2019-2020 season, probably the worst in UNC history. So, Jackie, how would, is that? Is that do you kind of thank yeah. coronavirus for the savior for saving UNC season, or what do you think about that? Low key, absolutely. Um, I think it's God's way of saying, you know what? If UNC is not going to be in it, no one can have it this year. Um, I mean, UNC you know. was horrible. It was this awful. Year. It was painful. We went to a game. Absolutely painful. And they almost beat Virginia, but at no point did it ever look like a good team. Like, they were just kind of hanging in there, like, just an absolutely shit show of a team. So, we were talking about FSU. You know, they finally had a good team. Well, there are, on the other side of the coin, there were some disappointing teams that are probably thinking, you know, the whole situation. Because UNC wasn't even going to make the NIT tournament. Yeah, like, no, that's how was, bad they were. I was... Well, I think their season officially actually came to the end the day before 
or something because I think they lost in the ACC tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Of course Oof. we did. Um, yeah, we definitely did. Like the second day of the ACC tournament or because the ACC has like a insane, like 16, 15 teams or something made it this year. Yeah, they started so they on started Tuesday. Out, yeah, so they started so yeah, on they, Tuesday. They were, I think they, they won their Tuesday two, game. Yeah, and then and they, they lost. It was the second win. one. Yeah, they lost yeah. their Wednesday game before the Thursday yeah. game. So, so they had already actually had their season come to an end. Brandon, what was the hardest hit for you? Uh, I mean, I take the first two days off of March Madness every year. Right. Have for the past seven or eight years. Um, I March Madness is my favorite sporting event, specifically that first weekend. And this was going to be the first March Madness that gambling was legal in Indiana. So I was ready to consume basketball and gamble my life away. Or <laughs> yeah, you were really real time real time gambling. So just just for some reference, um, Indiana had legalized sports gambling, and and all of a sudden I was getting these messages from Brandon saying that he was putting up all these bets. I'm like, where the hell did this come from? And then I guess he was gambling on their now legal platform. So yeah, man, that's rough. And I, I know he, uh, Brandon's actually a season ticket holder for IU, so he goes to almost every IU game. Bless his soul. Um, <laughs> But what was was IU going to make the tournament? Like what 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 was IU's chances this year? It's kind of like all like the past couple of years, bubble team, bubble team, bubble team. Right. Um, I think they were safely in, but of course I would think that. Right. Of course. Um, they were probably somewhere between the ten and twelve seed range. So how does this? Obviously, you know, in the short term, every sport is shut down. How does this impact sports going forward? And I'm not just talking 2020. I'm talking 2021, 2022. Um, Brandon, what, what, what are your thoughts? Like what, what, what is the outlook of sports? What sports, first of all, let, let me ask you this. What sports are we going to see this year? I think we'll see football this fall. Um, I think, I think NBA is done. I think NHL's done. Um, I think MLB will try to do a shortened season. Um, since, you know, but I would imagine we see football this fall in some capacity. So, yeah, so I think the MLB is is one of those leagues where they've they've played some shortened seasons before, right? So, like, the 95 season uh, was a shortened season due to the fact that they had a strike in 94. Right. So the whole season in 1994, uh, or the latter half of the season, was lost, right? And there was some some really interesting paces that were players were on, like, on pace four and stuff. I think Tony Gwynn at that point in time was looking like he had a chance to actually hit over 400, uh, and then the season got canceled, right? Um and then 95, they played a shortened season as a result of part of the cancellations. So baseball is used to playing that shortened season. I think the NBA has played some shortened seasons, NHL as well. So, but I mean, this is towards the back end of their of their uh, their season. So hopefully, by the time their season starts up, they may push it a little bit later. So you think there'll be a baseball season? I do think that there'll be a baseball season, given some of the interesting reports that they've had. Where you know, one of the things I've seen is that they said they're going to have like a a cactus league and a, and a grapefruit league, those instead of ALNL, those are going to be the leagues. You're just going to play in the state of Arizona at the spring training facilities and in the state of Florida at the spring training facilities. So Yeah, so, so for the people that don't know, uh, just to provide a little context around that, the MLB has proposed that they move to move every team to the state of Arizona because Arizona is obviously the hub of spring training. There's two different hubs, Florida and Arizona. Arizona is especially advantageous because there are like 11 stadiums all within a few miles of each other. Uh, we, I used to live out in Phoenix. We've gone to the spring training there. I mean, you can literally go to Goodyear, Arizona, watch the Dodgers play, and then bounce over four miles and then go see like 
the Texas Rangers play. It's 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 actually incredible. Um, and the setup, it's all like one strip of highway that connects all these stadiums. It's actually from a logistical standpoint, probably the best thing. Um, Florida would be such a mess if they tried to do the same thing. Yeah, Florida's way worse because the travel is is much much larger in between stadiums yes. for, for for the majority of the teams. For sure, but they would be grouping them divisionally. So th- uh, the way the layout was, so like. Teams like the Yankees and the Phillies, who are like the Yankees playing Tampa, the Phillies playing Clearwater, the Blue Jays playing Dunedin, those are all relatively close. They're not quite four miles, but uh, you could do it in 15 to 20 minutes or so. Now, Florida, Florida just wouldn't have worked out. The Arizona, the Arizona model made a lot more sense because every single stadium was contained within the greater metro area of Phoenix. Right. It's it's incredible, actually. If, if, if you ever have a couple weeks to just fuck off and go do some fun shit, highly recommend go to Phoenix and just soak up some spring for, for, training for spring it's, training it's, it's incredible yeah. um so yeah i i do think at some point in the baseball will figure out a way to get at least a partial season in um there, there's been talk of them pushing it you know back a little bit farther so that they're playing even in december or something or late november and they would play it like in the the playoffs would be at neutral site areas uh one even suggested that the dodgers would give up since they basically can't have an all-star break, they would give up that in in favor of having a neutral site in L.A. Uh, for the World Series, which would be interesting, um, especially if the Dodgers, who would be one of the favorites to be there, got to be there, they'd have home field advantage, you know. Um, so if you can find a way to make it work, you come in and you have a captive monopoly over the entire world seeking sports. So I, I think that whatever sport does get it together well, – that's going to be a huge opportunity, especially for the MLB. I mean, we're talking Absolutely. an entire offseason marred by cheating scandals and all this bad stuff. I mean, I can't think of a better opportunity for a sport to just come in and be the only show in town. But if you're MLB also, you don't even just – not only are you the only show in town, you need to have day baseball on, right? You need to have baseball be like from 1, 1 p.m. through like 10 p.m. or something like that. All you have is baseball on TV, right? You, you need to broadcast as many games as possible and just have them so that people be, can be at work watching baseball in the background, right? Because everyone's at home now, so they're going to have the TV on. What are they going to be watching? They might as well be watching baseball if you're, if you're MLB. You've got to figure a way out a way to not only do that, but also to allow everyone to consume every, every game, right? Not just their local team. They need to be able to consume all of them. That way you can make the most capitalization off of the money monetary aspect of it. Well, that brings up a good point, though, too, because, I mean, look at the NFL, like how they have blackouts in certain areas. You can't see certain teams. So is that going to change the way that they broadcast different games? Yeah. I mean, the blackout rule is, is that if the the, uh, the team doesn't sell out the game, well, it used to be, if the team doesn't sell out the game, then it won't get broadcast in the local market. Right. Obviously, you can't, no sell one's out, going. you can't sell out any games at this point. They might not have any fans in the, in the stadium, so they're just going to have to broadcast all of them. Um, they could get a little bit more creative with how they do the broadcast, though, and that could be maybe one of the positive gains for the NFL or other sports. So um, let's kind of just go through the sports. So college sports. How are college sports impacted by 2020? So I think the biggest thing is that college football and and the – the college basketball tournament are the two biggest generators of money for college athletics, right? So from a school's perspective, you need, if you are a team that has a football program, you need the football money to, to then be able to allow the other sports to even happen, right? So if college football doesn't happen, basically college sports is screwed for 
a couple of years probably, and some teams maybe even just have to fold their athletics programs. Well, they're, they're already talking about that. Uh, universities are already filing to possibly get rid of um, different programs just because yeah. of the outlook of it. Yeah, I mean, some certain some, certain universities will just get rid of certain sports, but other universities may have to fold their athletic department altogether. What about you, Brandon? What do you think? Yeah, I, uh, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I feel bad for the seniors um, in a lot of these locations. I mean, you only get eligibility at a certain amount of, you know, a certain amount of time. Um, you know, so that's awful. I know some sports have extended eligibility and that that's going to be messy. The spring sports. Um, spring sports. Yeah. Um, but then some schools aren't, uh, are saying no to that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to have a domino effect, um, on both the financial and eligibility, um, topics for sure. I, I have no idea. Um, how they're going to sort any of that out. Um, it's going it's to be a mess for a long time. Well, and then look at the, the training process. Yeah. There's kids right now that would be getting primed and ready for, you know, yeah. I mean, that's training a, camp. That's and, the biggest and, concern and, for and sure. rehab and things and, like that. And that's that going to put them at risk do. for injuries that, you know. Yeah. I mean, they, so NCAA has already put in a contingency plan for the college football stadium or season that would include the final bowl games being played in May of next year. So that is fascinating. Uh, we're talking may could, 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 would the NFL make adjustments? You know what I'm saying? Like, like would the NFL then delay the draft to have it in June? Like what happens there? Um, you don't have a full uh, off season to digest. Uh, how are, are they going to speed up the combine? Like what happens with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you would see a lot of the draft eligible players that were thought that they were going to be high draft picks probably just go ahead and, leave right some of them would fo- they already do that right they don't go to the ball games they, they to focus on their training so you, you'll see some of that for sure um in terms i mean teams that have actual national championship aspects you'll probably get those players to uh to stay for the season but um in terms of the the combine they would probably just have to push it a little bit and focus maybe more on some pro day workouts or allow scouts to go watch the teams in practice more uh, throughout or, or, or something of that nature. It makes some adjustments on the, on the level for NCAA, allowing those players to be able to be viewed by the NFL and, and professional leagues. Right. So the, the two major leagues that were canceled, the NBA and the NHL, which one has a better chance of coming back or neither? I'd say the NBA just because of built-in TV money, you know? Um, you know, those TV, right, those TV rights still exist. Uh, but I, I personally don't think either happened. I think it's just a canceled season, and that's all she wrote. I agree. Uh, but, it, yeah, gun to head, yeah, probably NBA because of some of the more financial things they have in place already. Yeah, I think I think it'd be foolish for the NBA not to at least try, um, even if it's in, like, July. And, dude, from from a fan perspective, first of all, the NBA playoff system is already a joke. To allow 16 teams in on a 30 30- team league is just to me it's nonsense it's complete nonsense but it is the way it is you don't need this full regular season to play out you already pretty much know the players are going to be when's the last time an eighth seed has won the nba finals never um so that those are the things that you have to consider like i think you could cut it in half and just go with the top four from each conference if you wanted to do it that way and no i think you do the the nhl i think you do the full playoffs and uh i personally you got all these players just sitting around resting their bodies. 
that could be the most exciting NBA playoffs of all time. You get to fully revitalize with months of rest. I mean, you talk about LeBron James, the amount of minutes that guy puts on his body every year. It's insane. Now give him, give him a couple months rest and then boom, throw him into the playoffs. That could be exciting basketball, in my opinion. You, you, you do also have to worry about the conditioning aspect for a lot of those players, mm-hmm. though, right? So there a is... A lot of pulled hamstrings. Yep. A lot of pulled hamstrings. Pull, pulled hamstrings, ACLs. just not, be, not being able to actually play the game as long. So there, there'd have to be, a, like, a little bit of a ramp-up, at least, uh, in order to get that going. But they would still be, be pretty fresh couple, after a couple of weeks or something of conditioning. Oh, my God. And LeBron James is probably still fully keeping his body ready. I mean, all, all those athletes... I. I for me, you know, between the NHL and the NBA, I agree with Brandon. I think the NBA has a better chance to come back, and I think it should come back because I think it could, it could come back and just be so exciting for a month and a half in July and then lead us right into football. Of course, I'm talking selfishly, <laughs> um, and I think that that layout would have to be without fans, but I think it'd be great. I think logistically it is easier for the NBA to do it, Um I think selfishly, you might be missing out on the fact that the Lightning actually had a chance to, to compete for the Cup also. And I know Brandon is a big uh, Penguins fan up there. So those are some of the better teams in the NHL. And there there's some, some I mean, hockey playoffs are amazing. So there's that too in term that, that you're missing out on. Yeah, the intensity of the NBA and the NHL playoffs, I think, would, would be increased by this amount of rest. Like, Absolutely. I really do. I, I think with the NHL, players would come back rested, mm-hmm. uh, ready to go. I think it'd be really exciting. Um, obviously, safety first, but I'd love to see them both come back. Absolutely. So let, let's move past this. Um, how The draft is this week, and that's our main topic for today. The NFL draft, um, I'm so excited about the draft, as I am every year, because it's kind of funny. You know, the NFL ends in February, and then you get that few months of pontification where you're just sitting around like, man, never miss it as much until it's gone. And then the the NFL draft is just like that little bit of, little feed me in the middle. You know, you get the combine, but the draft is just like, all right, well, you here get we the go. Combine and you get free agency, which is fun, right? Yeah. Seeing, I mean, everyone likes building teams, right? That's why we play fantasy sports because it's like you have control over how the teams get built. Well, this is how you can see your teams get built, and everybody can second guess their GMs or praise their GMs or like the moves that their team made or not like them, etc. Um, so, so that's that's fun, and the NFL is really, you know, it, it's become this thing where they try to keep you know, their, their name in the headlines, right? So the February, they do, you got the Super Bowl, and then you got the Combine, and then March, you got free agency, and then April, you got the draft, right? Um, free this, agency didn't mean to miss a beat at right. all either. No, I mean, no. that's, that's, that's why I'm not really worried about the draft, the NFL, um, because the free agency, this is probably the most exciting free agency, just the amount of moves, and you know, we don't need to go into it, but NFL knocked free agency out of the park, and look how much coverage it got because it was really the only thing going on. Exactly. And they thrived. They thrived when they were the only thing. And, and then the draft is going to be the same thing, right? This, this is the only sporting event that we have going on. So the draft this year was scheduled to be in Las Vegas. It was supposed to be the intro of football to Vegas. Because unlike Los Angeles and a lot of these other you know, um, towns that lose teams and then get them back, Vegas has really never had football. It's, it's always been the rumor that Vegas would get a team, and it, like, never comes into play. Vegas is, like, the city that you move to, you move your Madden franchise to. It didn't actually make any sense to, but now it makes so much sense. But we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. 
And this draft, make no mistake about it, was a part of their rollout. They were going to show off the city of Las Vegas as a football city. Well, now that's not happening. Canceled, you know, um, completely canceled. How does that impact uh, the draft itself? How does that impact the, like, what are your guys' thoughts on, on Vegas losing the draft this year? It, it sucks. Um, we've all wanted this to happen for, for years, for decades. Like, like Drew was saying, I remember, you know, growing up playing Madden in the nineties, I, I always moved the team. Uh, I moved Cleveland, um, <laughs> moved the Browns from uh, Cleveland to Vegas. Um, so it, it's, it sucks. Um, this is probably nightmare scenario for a lot of investors. Um, it's, it's gonna, you, you know, kind of the, I work in sporting good retail and you only get one launch, right? You, you don't get to do a launch over again. Um, they, this was their product launch right. and it couldn't have been worse timing for them. Um, it, it sucks. For sure. Newman? Yeah. I mean, I agree with Brandon. At the end of the day, it sucks, right? It sucks. Um, Vegas is a really fun place, but having a professional football team there is going to be great for most fans. Uh, it's going to be one of the most attended away games for every fan base throughout the course of uh, the country whenever their teams go there, um, especially if you're a team that doesn't play in that division, right? Because then you can, you know, you only get to go there once every few years. But for teams that are in that division, right, like I've, I have a buddy who's a Broncos fan, and he bought season tickets to the Raiders because he was like, I'm going at least once every year to see my team play, and then I can sell the other tickets, right, to the other fans of other teams. So even at that point, it's an interesting investment. Um, but now nobody's going to get to go to these games potentially. And that, that just, it, it's not, not as much fun. And, nope. and nobody does a show like Vegas, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, look what some of the creative things, uh, the Vegas Knights have done. Um, now imagine that on an NFL team budget. No, like, it, and, and I agree with you, Brandon, you only get one rollout, And that's the thing that, uh, I work in the car industry. When you unleash a new car, it doesn't matter how nice that car is. You have to showcase it. You have to introduce it to the world in the right way. So in, in, in relation to the Las Vegas Raiders, we're talking like this is like the Lamborghini SUV that came out in 2019. Like this needs no introduction, but it still needs an introduction. Like we're talking about this is going to be a primo product. You've seen the stadium. You know Las Vegas. We've all been black out there. You know how much fun that's going to be, right? But without this intro, I really wonder because it's going to be exciting, but they do need to build their base. I think for the first five years, it's going to be 60% plus away fans, and that's the way it's going to be. But when the luster of that new stadium starts to wear off, you have to have the local support. You know what I'm saying? So so when, when, the, when the buzz of being a Vegas team starts to wear off and – John Gruden's on his sixth year of his 10-year contract, still winning seven, eight games a year. Um, you're going to need that local support. So I think that's what I agree with the most is it is a product launch. Make no mistake about it. I mean, this is a product that they're introducing to the world. It's a beautiful so product. Launch now? Well, like, I, don't, I can't even think of a scenario like the first game, but maybe that can't have fans. So like they really don't. There is no real plan for a product launch now. Yeah, that is terrifying, for sure. And on a company standpoint, that is terrifying. Maybe, maybe the Raiders should trade up 
the number one pick and take Joe Burrow just so they can get that that publicity that that uh that 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 suave soiree, you know. Well, you know, and this wasn't really on our list, but I got to tell you, I think one of the biggest mistakes that the Raiders made this offseason is because for me, this is a throwaway season. The Raiders aren't going to be a playoff team, but dude, the shiniest coin out there for the free agency was Tom Brady. I think that their complete lack of even courting Tom Brady in any way was such a terrible business decision. And it stinks of Gruden. It stinks of Gruden. Like, like I could see Gruden in a, in a, you know, in a team meeting being like, Tom Brady, who's that? Let's go for Marcus Mariota. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> that Tom Brady, he's not for me. I'll tell you what, man. Dude, a two-year contract, Tom Brady in Vegas, not just jersey sales. You got the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, they're already not going to be a great team for the next two years. Derek Carr is not their quarterback. That, to me, would have been the right business decision. And, and Gruden does love his veteran quarterback, so it would have made sense on, on paper in that way. Yeah. I, I don't understand why there wasn't more buzz about that. But that's and, also, and also Brady uniting with Gruden because, uh, you know, Brady basically ended Gruden's tenure there in Oakland. Uh, you know, it would have been interesting. So Vegas, uh, it's not going to happen now, the draft. Uh, so every team is basically going to be doing, like, the, the mess Zoom calls that everyone's been doing from their house. And it's all fucking boomers, right? I mean, there's, there's very few millennials that are actually GMs, uh, with a few exceptions. But so you have, like, all these boomers out there, and they're going to be completely reliant on technology for this draft. And from what I understand, the rules aren't going to change that much, so they're still going to have the same amount of time that they have, and they're going to have to make these quick decisions with a bunch of different people um, in different rooms, all via Zoom call. So I picture, like, Jerry Jones sitting there like, can you hear me? Can, can, is this thing on? Can you hear me? We need a quarterback. <laughs> like, just struggling J- J- with Jalen technology. Hurts out of Oklahoma. That's Jerry Jones' move right there. No, but how, how, much, how much does the technology aspect impact the draft? Yeah, I mean, there, there are going to be some nightmare scenarios. Um, you know, we live in 2020. Hacking is real. Um, you know, I wouldn't put – this is the only thing going on. Um, so you have hacking as potential. You have um, server and Internet issues that could happen. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a wild ride. Um, it's, something's going to mess up, you know. Um, Murphy's Law. It, something is going to go wrong on this and I'll be uh, on my couch with popcorn ready to see it all go down. Yeah. So I actually had a, had a, had a kid in that I was in grad school with who he was super tech savvy. And he, when we were doing a project, sometimes you would need more uh, server juice or you wouldn't want to get kicked off the internet. So he could actually hack into somebody else's Wi-Fi, kick them out so that we could utilize their Wi-Fi for like the hour plus that we were working on the project just imagine somebody doing that to a team that's trying to do the NFL draft. Like, if you're a team, I would just hire this kid, go kick such and such out of the draft so he can't get in. Um, there is some con- some conditional plans in there in place. Um, I think there's, like, three methods for them to get the picks in or something like that. But every team needs to basically have one point of contact that's going to be sending in these picks, just like they would at the draft. Instead of running the card up, they're going to have to submit it somehow. Yeah, and I just feel bad for, like, you know, Joe Burrow, uh, Tua, um, Young, guys that, you know, they 
literally been working their entire lives for this, yeah. and they're not going to get to go stand up on stage like that. That's that's heartbreaking. That's really sad, right? Um, you might not even be able to have a, a party at your house. Like how? <laughs> I want to know what ESPN's setup is going to be. Are they going to have cameras and just like random apartments where it's just like a guy and his wife or like girlfriend? They're just sitting there like, hey, I'm so happy to be a Redskin. Well, well they're not. Gonna I mean, be- it's, it's awkward anyway when they do it, right? Yeah. And now like. They can't have parties, so is it just going to be like just them and their fam? It, it was awkward before this. It's going to be even more awkward this year because of Corona. Well, they're not going to be able to go into the draft room, the back room at the draft, and and zoom in on Aaron Rodgers as he's pissed off as he continues to fall down the draft <laughs> board, though. So that ESPN kind of loses some content material there because that's one of their go to moves, right? They're always, oh, let's check who's back still in there. And uh, they look pissed off if they're if they've been hanging out around for a while, you know. So, so uh, with this draft, we got you know it's it's a strong quarterback draft. Um, we're very likely almost a hundred percent. I mean, especially with recent history, looking at three quarterbacks being taken in the top ten. Um, obviously, Burrow, Tua, and Herbert is the other guy that everyone's talking about, probably at six or seven. So, and, and we could even have more in the top 10. Who knows? The drafts are wild. It's one of the reasons that I love it so much. The first round is just so exciting. But with that in mind, uh, who are the three most mismanaged quarterback picks in history? And name your three and then really expand on one. Uh, but who, who, who start at three and go to one? Brandon. Uh, for me, um... <laughs> Andrew Luck, number three, um, you know, I, he ended up having a, a good career, um, made multiple Pro Bowls, but this Ryan Grigson might go down as the worst GM uh, of all time. He never surrounded him with uh, with an offensive line, never sur- tried to surround him with weapons, none of which had ever paid out, um, and then just never gave him a defense. Um, you know, I can't imagine if Andrew Luck would have went to a better organization one he may still still be playing and b i think he'd have at least a super bowl um if he was put in a better situation um two uh david carr um you know kind of on that expansion um i think he had a lot of talent um but in, you know he's come out and said that he basically got traumatized getting sacked so many times he ended up getting into his head um because of that so you know if he would have been put in a better situation um, who knows? And then um, my number one uh, is Joey Harrington. Um, he he had tons of talent um, out of Oregon, um, similar to another quarterback that might get drafted. And uh, you were just talking about Herbert. Um, you know, it, I think if he goes to any team that could put together a formidable roster, Joey Harrington may be remembered differently. Uh, but those were some really bad Lions teams, really bad. I think was he the quarterback when they went 0-16? Or was that after? It may have been after um, they went 0-16. But, uh, yeah, poor Joey Harrington. So I'm going to take a little different – I don't know that this is quite the way the question was intended, but I'm going to start off uh, with number three, Jameis Winston, right? So I think the Bucks have absolutely, absolutely mismanaged the talent that he was. He was a very productive player, still even above average, maybe good. He made a Pro Bowl, you know. But the Bucks failed to capitalize on his five-year window – and even put a good team around him, right? Like, I think he played with one unit that wasn't ranked in the top 10 outside of the offense, and that was this most recent season, right? Um, 
but so you can definitely point to point to those kind of cases. Um, two, how about like a guy like maybe Doug Williams who went on to win a Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins? Uh, he was actually good with the Bucks. They they won the division, and then the Bucks kind of just like let him go. They're like, ah, oh, we can find another guy who can do that. Nope, no, you cannot. They did not do that for another what, maybe ten years or something like that. Uh, and then how about the ultimate uh, mismanagement of of a player? When you send a Hall of Famer packing, like Steve Young, right? Do you sense the scene, the theme here that I'm going with? Steve Young is probably the number one mismanaged player from a team's perspective in terms of you didn't get the most out of you could this guy. He went. He's a Hall of Famer. He won a Super Bowl. He's considered one of the better quarterbacks in the history of the game, and you kind of just let him go. What's that? So fail on you, Tampa Bay. Yeah, so my list is I, I'm going a very different direction from you guys, and you're gonna you're about to laugh at this list, uh, and that's the intention. But I'm very serious about all three of these picks. So number three, Dan Marino, what? Arguably the most talented uh, quarterback in history. Uh, guy literally had it all when 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 he was at his prime. Uh, he could scramble. He could th- probably have the strongest arm in NFL history. If he would have went to literally any other team but the Miami Dolphins, especially in that era, we are talking about three, four Super Bowls. His his playoff record is abysmal. I mean, they they they, they made it to the playoffs every single. I I I would be amazed if they missed almost any year with him, and they may, they may have. But if you look at his win percentage in the regular season, it's it's kind of similar to, to Peyton Manning, really. Mm-hmm. The way that he was mismanaged in, in Indianapolis. And I think Dan Marino, uh, if you'd ask me right now, who's the most talented quarterback in history? I'd, I'd go by Dan Marino one, maybe like Aaron Rodgers two. And I know it's a little bit early, but I'd go like Patrick Mahomes three. Yeah, Pat, I, yeah, yeah. I would definitely have to have Patty on that. The guy's just so ridiculous. So number two, Aaron Rodgers. I think that Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback possibly to ever play. I mean, it's 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 between him and Marino for me. The guy the guy throws the most beautiful 30-yard accurate deep ball I've ever seen in my life. I truly believe that they waited way too long to get rid of the coaching situation that clearly wasn't a fit for him for so many years. The fact that the Packers and this is a Vikings fan saying this. The fact that in almost in over 20 years of having Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, they're only going to come out with two Super Bowls is a absolute fucking travesty. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's played on some really bad teams, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he he's dragged those teams kicking and screaming to 10-plus win seasons, uh, consistently wins the division. You can say what you want about his personality. He's got his flaws. The fact that they only have what they, and honestly, what, two NFC championship performances? That's terrible. Like, if you, if you think about it, like, the, the fact that they did not build a better offensive line, the fact that they didn't give him better weapons through all this time is just better ridiculous. Now, they developed him right, but just they, they mismanaged having him. You know what I'm saying? Like, for so many years, you know, just... And then, number one, Joe Burrow. Go. <laughs> Joe Burrow, the presumptive pick of the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow has it all. <laughs> and obviously, this is mostly satirical. But I'm telling you, the Bengals are going to fuck this up somehow. 100%. They're, they're going to fuck it up. Um, I think Joe Burrow, in any other situation, is just an absolute stud. But I cannot see them doing well uh, 
I, I just you think about some of some of the best quarterback picks in the last fifteen years. Uh, you want to go Andrew Luck? I mean, I, I guess you go twenty years. Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer. Uh, they're about to fuck it up again, like just like they did Palmer. Um, that is just a terrible, toxic management situation they have with ownership going on there. I just do not see it working out. As much as I love Joe, Joe Burrow, I'm just certain that the Bengals are going to fuck this up. So I'm putting them at number one. Obviously, it's satirical, but I'm telling he, you. He's inheriting a disgruntled running back. Yep. He's inheriting a disgruntled wide receiver. Yep. He's inheriting a terrible offensive line. He's inherit, He's going to play with an aging old defense. I mean, yikes. Like, I, I, feel, I already feel bad for the guy. Like already for sure. It's car. It's, it's, if you think about it, he's very similar to Carson Palmer in so many ways. I mean, just, you know, he doesn't have quite the pedigree that Carson Palmer have, you know, Carson Palmer obviously went multiple seasons. He was always the guy from day one at USC. Uh, Burrow got, you know, tossed around a little bit, but I think ultimately, you know, he had the greatest season in college football history for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And it's funny too, because it's like, I, well, let me ask you guys this. Are there any thoughts? You think the Bengals won't take him? Or is that definitely who the Bengals are taking? They're definitely taking him. But for all the reasons I just said, they should take Chase Young. I mean, Joe Burrow doesn't make them much better next year, right? Like, you know, instead of winning three games next year, they'll win four because of Joe Burrow. They should definitely shore up other positions and not ruin their quarterback from day one, which is what I'm seeing them do. They're going to draft Joe Burrow. They shouldn't, in my opinion, but they're going to. So there's a lot of ways to look at this. From an economical standpoint, they absolutely should draft Joe Burrow. From a team building and trying to win championship standpoint, that may not be the best route they could take, but the Cincinnati Bengals have not, they're not in any position to go win a Super Bowl in the near future. Getting a quarterback at least and maybe suffering through some of the growing pains is at least some potentially maybe you take a step back and then you progress forward. They do get their first-round draft pick from last year, Jonah Williams, the tackle out of Alabama, who missed the entire season, should be healthy enough to play this season. So that could help Burrow right there. But this is a team that if you're going to go – like, so here's my thing. I always think about team construction and team building as our goal is to win the Super Bowl, right? Anything short of that is not productive at least. You know, good is the enemy of great. Just being good enough to make the playoffs is – while some teams are like, hey, we need to make the playoffs um, – the end goal should be to get to a point where you're consistently making the playoffs with runs to championships, okay? And Joe Burrow could potentially be your focal point at that point, but the team, I just have no confidence in GM owner Mike Brown putting good players around him in that respect in, in order to be able to do that. So uh, at this point, it, it doesn't really matter, but take, take, Joe, Burrow, take Joe Burrow for, for the money at least. Uh, and talking about mismanage. Um, Joe Burrow is going to be is such a marketable human, right? He's got the personality. He's got the swagger. What about Cincinnati Bengals stream marketing geniuses? Like they're going to mismanage it on both a team construction and marketing standpoint, um, which is going to be hilarious. It's one of the poorest run organizations in all sports. I mean, it's just, it's so bad. It makes the Browns look good. Is it, is, I don't know if this <laughs> is still I wouldn't true. go that far. I, uh, I don't know, man. Just because I would take the Browns' ownership, which is so important, over the, over the Bengals, and still not a great situation there. But man, that that ownership situation, like like Newman was saying right before we started, I mean, the owner is literally listed as the Bengals' GM. 
they made a statement in the offseason, which is one of the dumbest statements I think I've ever heard a team make. Like, why would you even say this? But they basically were saying, and it was about the AG, would they trade AJ Green? And they're essentially, their stance is that they don't trade. You, you guys yep. saw that? Like, we yep. don't trade. Yeah. What does that fucking mean? Like, that, we don't do trades. Yeah, that is. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The sure dumbest is. thing I've ever heard, because because what you're doing, you're 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 sending out a message to every GM that like we don't even want to talk. Like what what the fuck? Bill Belichick has made a whole career out of being that guy who will take anybody. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna roll the dice. So if you got a problem, you go to Bill Belichick. He'd be like, "Hey, we're trying to just unload this problem." You know what I'm saying? And like see what he'll offer you. If you and they fleece everybody, yeah, everybody exactly because of the way they build games. But yeah. uh, I think I don't know if this is still true or not, but uh, the Bengals apparently were one of the only teams in the league that didn't have an indoor practice facility mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, Ohio, for a sport that's played in the fall and winter. That's why Carson Palmer left. Imagine that. <laughs> it's literally why Carson Palmer retired yeah. is because his only request to ownership, and I think they, by the way, I think they do now have an indoor facility. They, they, have, they have it now. Yeah. They have it. But yeah. Carson Palmer literally was like, Dude, what is this? Like you, you have your your prize stallion out here, and I'm I'm practicing in 30 degree weather. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. this should not be a thing. Um. So, moving on from there, uh, to, a lot of this podcast is going to be about just kind of reminiscing of drafts of, of of the past, which I so frequently love to do. I don't know what it is about the draft. It's you know it's the beginning of everyone's story, and there's so many interesting aspects. You know, from from Brady. Um, to the guys that don't get selected and are successful, to the guys that you thought were just surefire winners, and they end up being just complete washouts. Yeah, uh, it's such an inter- interesting aspect. I think more than any other sport, uh, there's some surprises there. So let's start with this question: uh, Who's a guy you wanted your team to draft, and you're mad that they didn't? So, a guy that you your team had a chance to draft and they passed on, and now you really regret it, Brandon. Um, first, uh, before I go and jump into that question, I just wanted to bring up two names, um, that, I, that I thought, like you said, I wanted them to draft th- these two guys, my, my team is the Pittsburgh Steelers and they didn't. And that's why they're in their position and, and I'm in mine. Um, the, the first one is Heath Miller was getting older. Um, uh, the Steelers still haven't really found a tight end to replace him. Um, so here came this guy, Tyler Eifert out of Notre Dame. Um, I wanted the Steelers to draft Tyler Eifert so bad. First, you know, draft in the first round, get your tight end for the next 10 to 12 years. Um, and I'm so glad they didn't. Um, the next thing is, uh, the next, the, uh, the next guy is, uh, the Steelers need a running back. Um, and there was a bunch of good ones that year. But for some reason, I fell in love with Eddie Lacy. I wanted the Steelers to draft Eddie Lacy, the guy they drafted out of college. Um, the guy they drafted instead was Le'Veon Bell. I, I think they made the right decision on on who to draft. Um, but uh, th- those those two guys, um, I thought were surefire, can't miss replacements that that my team needed, um, and they didn't draft them. And 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 thank God. Um, what was Le'Veon Bell a second round? Yeah, yeah early I think second. Eddie Lacy was also Coward second steal. round. I think that was one of the drafts where a running back didn't go in the first. Yes, yep, you're right on that one, Newman. Yep. But yeah, that's uh, that. That's why I uh, I read mock drafts and and I'm not in a war room. 
So um, the guy you you didn't you wanted your team to draft and they didn't was Eifert. Yeah. Okay. Newman? Yeah, both both Eifert and Lacey I wanted on my on on the Pittsburgh Steelers and happily that uh, that didn't happen. But who was the guy you wanted them to draft and they didn't and it turned out to be a big mistake? Um, it's a great question. Um, the Steelers have. Uh, I really wanted them to take Tracy Porter out of Indiana. Um, Tracy Porter, you know, Indiana defenses are always terrible. Indiana football is always terrible, but Tracy Porter was a stud. And until Joe Hayden, the Steelers really didn't have any corners whatsoever. Um, so I really wanted them to draft Tracy Porter. And and now he's probably had a, a fringe um, Hall of Fame career um he's played on multiple super bowl teams made a few pro bowls he's probably actually not close to hall of fame but he had a really nice career um and i wish he would have been a pittsburgh Steeler. newman so for me this is really easy and it's very recent uh when the bucks passed on derwin james twice uh and he goes on to become an all pro player his in his rookie season it definitely cemented my my anger to toward that pick but it just absolutely didn't make sense for a, a boatload of reasons, but that, that's absolutely the one for, for the boxing in regards to that. Um, and then uh, go, touching on Brandon's, what, what he said for the, uh, the guy that my team drafted that, uh, I'm, that I wanted them to draft, that, not, that they didn't, and now I'm glad about it. Uh, it's, it's definitely one – I get fascinated with wide receivers sometimes. I really love the super big, productive, physical wide receivers. And uh, there's a guy by the name of Mike Williams who, who uh, coming out of USC – uh, who just looked like this absolute freak because that was USC's heyday. And uh, the, he wound up going to the Lions and had a really poor career. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that my team didn't didn't go that route. And, and just for clarification, Newman, who is your team? So so right now for this procedure, we're, we're, going, right now. we're, we're going with the Bucs. Um, okay. the, the Jets actually have done a pretty good job of drafting for their first round picks at least, uh, which are the – which you know, those are the picks that people care about the most. Um, they do have issues in other spots of the draft, and Mike Tannenbaum frequently would trade away draft picks to acquire. people that have multiple teams aren't real sports fans. We'll just yeah, say yeah. that. Uh, um, sure, sure. <laughs> for real though, pick a team. Um, anyways, uh, for me, uh, guys that I really wanted your team to draft, and I'm still mad they didn't. Uh, recent history, Miles Jack. So it's it's pretty interesting. You know, you everyone knows about Miles Jack's knee issue, uh, but this was an opportunity that the Vikings had to literally have three UCLA linebackers talking bar Kendricks and miles Jack. Uh, it would be the best to this day, best linebacking crew in the NFL. Um, Shouldn't UCLA have one more when they had the three of them? They, they, they would have been guys that, I mean, bar and Kendricks were, were roommates. Uh, the, all three of them played together. Um, to deny the chemistry of that was ridiculous. And Miles Jack obviously is is a great player for the Jaguars. Um, he fell to the second round, and the Vikings had multiple chances to get him, and we didn't. And I, I really just I wonder about that. Guy that I really wanted to draft, and I'm glad they didn't, Sammy Watkins. Nobody had a bigger boner for Sammy Watkins coming out of college than me. I was all in on the guy. I thought he was the next Randy Moss. Um Talent-wise, I still think he has it all. Um, turns Phys- out physically I physically has it all. Turns out I didn't quite know that the guy is dumber than fucking rocks. 
Um, we're talking about he's a flat earther. Uh, he's just he's literally like apparently like the dumbest human being on earth. Um, I'm glad he's found his home with Kansas City. He just took a, a a huge pay cut to play with them. But the guy is apparently like epically stupid. Like have, have you ever talk, been talking to somebody and you're just like, wow, you're the dumbest person I've ever met. Um, I, I I imagine that's a lot like how all of Sammy Watkins' interviews went. Um, and God bless the Bills for for taking him on. It, it was always going to be the Bills to take him on, but they they traded another first round draft pick to acquire him. Exactly. Well, that sounds like the that, Bills. That, that's mortgaging the future right there. So back to the draft. What, what just every draft you viewed, and we talk about how much we love it, the pageantry of it all. One further point on Sammy Watkins. They took him. They traded up. A, they traded away a first round draft pick to trade up and get him right in a draft that was one of the most productive wide receiver drafts of all time. Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, uh, like a bunch of other guys all were in that draft. And you were like, now nah, we got to have this guy, right? The one who winds up being the bust. That's draft, uh, draft analysis for you. Yeah. Um, if you're going to choose a problem player, just make sure they're intelligent for real. Cause you look at Randy Moss you know, he, the guy had so many issues in college. He, a lot of people don't know this, but he was originally recruited by FSU and got kicked off FSU's campus within a few weeks. So I think if you were a smart GM, you could have squared up Randy Moss in a room and been like, wow, this guy's got a really checkered pass. But, dude, this guy's quick. You know what I'm saying? And then Sammy Watkins comes in there, and he's like, I think the end of the earth is like, uh, <laughs> what, what? I, I don't like even know waterfall. what the fuck flat earthers think like how dumb i don't even know i don't think the flat earther thing had come out at that point but that should be the first question that every nfl gm asks players are you a flat earther okay scratch you out you dumb motherfucker <laughs> so uh moving on what is your what is your favorite draft memory just every draft you've ever watched uh brandon's a steelers fan newman is a something fan uh brandon what about you What's your favorite draft uh, memory? The actual tear rolled down my face when Ryan Shazier walked out to announce the pick. Um, that was that was such a surreal memory for me. Um, you know, I when when he when he had his he had a spine injury. I I'd never seen anything like that before. A lot of people didn't know if he would even live. Um, and just to see the recovery he's made. And, and then when he announced that draft pick, that was just something I'll never forget. It was, it was unbelievable. I've heard that he's still trying to come back and play. Is that true? Yes. That's he, silly. In his mind, he thinks it is, but I mean, it's never going to happen. Um, but yeah, he, he's still planning. I mean, he's, you know, he's doing box jumps. He's doing, um, you know, all, all of the training regimen stuff, but yeah, he, he'll never see the football field again. But really, Ryan Shazier is one of the most underrated losses that a team has ever taken. Because if, if, yeah. if you plug Shazier into the team, let's just say like two years ago, the Steelers team just a couple years ago. I mean, he was electric. That guy, that guy was looking like a surefire Hall of Famer. He had everything. Um, he was about to be one of the stars in the NFL. Really one of the most tragic injuries to ever take place. Yep. Agree on all accounts there. Newman? So to lighten the mood up a little bit, uh, one of my favorite draft stories ever is when uh, Joe Thomas was drafted by the Cleveland Browns, and uh, they 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 had, they sent the the cameras out to him, and he's on his fishing boat. <laughs> like uh, he he didn't want to go to the draft. He's just like, I'm just gonna go fishing. I don't care. <laughs> uh, 
because uh, I, I don't know the, just the 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 simple sim- simplistic view of that, and you know Joe Thomas is going to go down as one of the greatest Hall of Fame offensive tackles of all time. So the fact that he was just didn't care about the whole pomp and circumstance of it, I, I just found that to be ridiculously entertaining. Yeah, I get it. Uh, just in terms of playing out the way that they did, and uh, your guys's are way more beautiful than mine. Uh, Aaron Rodgers sitting there. Till what twenty two or whatever it was. I think that's right. What yeah. a delight, man! <laughs> Sometimes when I'm feeling blue, I'll go back and watch that, and it's really what I think ultimately made him the quarterback that he is. But just knowing Aaron Rodgers now, I, if I could have just been in that brain for just two seconds, the horrible things that were being said, like he he's a shitty human being. By the way, um, oh, yeah. I think I think that's very clear. Um, I would just love to hear what he was saying about in the 49ers obviously made a colossal uh, mistake, not taking him, but, um, I would just love to get in his head there, but I also love Lamar Jackson, dude, (laughs) Lamar Jackson getting drafted is so underrated and fucking hilarious when, when they got, when they squared him up and by the way, Lamar Jackson, pretty dumb person. I mean, just just watching him in interviews and stuff. The guy's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He's super, he seems like a super good guy, but he's just dumb as rocks. And when, when they took him up there and he thought he was going to be a much higher draft pick, he turned out to be the very last pick of the first round. He was lividly pissed. He was so angry. And just throwing the microphone in his face is kind of like the XFL interviews, you know, after a bad play. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, why did you... You reception. Yeah, uh, you just fumbled and, and ruined it for everybody else. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, to throw it up to him and be like, wow, you slid way further than you thought. Um, turns out teams don't really believe in you as much as you believe in yourself. What are your thoughts on that, dumb guy? And then he he's just his fucking face, the way he like seized up, and it was just like I was rooting for him the whole way, and I'm glad that he's had the career he has so far, but like that was fucking hilarious to me. I don't know what it was. It was just so funny. And also a genius move by Ozzy Newsome. Like oh, getting yeah. him so I, I've said this before. The 32nd pick in the first round is the most valuable pick in the entire NFL draft yes, because you get the fifth-year option at the lowest cost, right? So the the, the way the NFL works is that it is um, – the, the draft picks are slotted on how much money they can make. So you're getting the cheapest pick possible in the first round, and you still get that fifth-year option, which for the Ravens, that's going to turn out great because they're not going to have to franchise tag him. They can just pick up that fifth-year option, right? Uh, especially for a running quarterback, that's something that you're going to want to do. I got a fun little draft story. I don't think I've told either one of you guys this. Um, I was in college and Roger Saffold, he's a current guard for the, for the Tennessee Titans. Um, He didn't expect to get drafted as early as he did. So he was at Kilroy's, which is like the main bar at IU. Um, And he gets, he gets, he gets the call unexpectedly. And he just bought the entire bar shots. It was, it was pretty awesome. Did they have video Um, cameras there? They didn't. They didn't have any camp. Again, he's a guard. He was a guard at Indiana. Like he wasn't getting any publicity or anything. He was supposed to be probably a third round pick. Um, he ended up getting drafted early in the second. But it was it was pretty cool uh, to see just how happy he was. You know, he did the whole crying thing. It was it was really cool to watch in person. That's awesome, man. Yeah. What year was that? 2010. I was senior in college. So what I'm hearing is Brandon likes to hear other men cry. Ooh. Ooh. And watch them cry. Sorry, Jackie. Definitely sounds like it. 
So um, let's talk about who's your favorite fictional football player of all time. Talking any all all the uh, all the football movies out there. Who's your favorite? God, I can talk about this topic for days. Um, Jonathan Moxon comes to mind, um, good, but probably no. Steve, Mox is mine. Moxon get here. Out, get out of here. Uh, probably steaming Willie Beeman. Um, any given Sunday is like one of my favorite movies after you get home at the bars and it's always on so like good. ENP at like 2 a.m. in the morning, unedited. Um, and it is uh, just a hilarious movie. Uh, Jamie Foxx kills it in the role. Um, I'd want Willie on my team any day. Okay, so I'm going to take uh, the little boy down in Louisiana, the water boy. I'm going I'm to take that. <laughs> that. That middle linebacker, they can rush the passer like no other. That's it. Uh, didn't he set Mama, the, the NCAA said. record for, for sacks in a single game at something like 33 or something ridiculous like that? <laughs> that that's definitely my favorite fictional character. <laughs> I love the part in Waterboy when uh, they're showing the slow motion view of him running in on the quarterback and, and the, the, the two ES, ESPN announcers are like, oh, it's difficult to watch. Can't look, at all the, back now. look at all the pain and anger in his eyes. <laughs> my God, that's difficult to watch. Uh, favorite football player? Uh, it's no, it's not even close. It's definitely Steam and Willie Beeman. For sure, uh, it's really, it's just, it's, it's, it's not even close. Uh, it's she such a ladies. Steaming. <laughs> My name is Willie. Willie Beeman. Um. <laughs> hey, give us your best uh, Al Pacino impression, Brandon. Oh God. Um. Some sauce. Yes. <laughs> consider the socks uh, I was trying to think of the, the inches seam but I can't think of it off the top of my head um, and you gotta yeah, fight every one of them inches yeah. Dude. maybe we'll, we'll co- come back to this at the end maybe when I uh, when I got it down a little bit so Any Given Sunday is a movie by Oliver Stone um, if you haven't watched a lot of Oliver Stone movies they are so over the top um, and the acting performances are especially always way over the top so a, an over actor like Al Pacino to be paired with Oliver Stone was always a disaster in hell slash one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. Uh, because his monologues in that movie are just so fucking ridiculous. Like, like what was his inspiration for that character? You know what I'm saying? Like what coaches was he, was he, was he trying to hone in? It was like Tony Diamato or something was his name. Clearly a guy with like a horrible drug problem because like, he's always like sweaty, like, ah, come on, come on, come on. So much cocaine. So much cocaine. But uh, would you say, speaking of fictional football players... Well, well let's, let's let Jackie chime in here. I said Mox. Okay, but why? Well, he's a beautiful man. One. James Vanderbeek. How can you go wrong with James Vanderbeek? Fair enough. And he, like, no one gave him a chance. He was a smart guy, but he wasn't the best. He wasn't the starter, because bless his heart, Paul, Paul Walker. Paul Walker. R.I.P. Yep. Going to Florida State. R.I.P. That would have been nice. Going to Florida State, and he always tried to do the right thing, is but the, it was good. Is the romanticized version of the backup quarterback, is that well played out in cinematic history? Is it too played out? Uh, uh, I think it's pretty much every every football story, right? Everything yeah. since, <laughs> since varsity. I mean, Varsity Blues, I feel like, sets the gold standard for yeah. That. I mean, the program is really like good, and, the, you know, even they had to go the backup quarterback route. They didn't quite focus on who it was, but, you know. Something about the underdog story that people really love, even in real life. 
The backup quarterback is always the most popular player. Um, who's going to be the most popular backup quarterback this year? Gardner Minshew. In the NFL? Yeah. Uh, so Gardner's slated to be the starter. He will it's be. possible that uh, they could. So the question is, who's going to be the best backup quarterback in the no, NFL? No, who, who will be the most like romanticized backup quarterback in the NFL this year? Whoever's backing up Trubisky. <laughs> For sure. Uh, well, so Nick Foles is potentially going to be a starter there in Chicago. So, so yeah. then Mr. Trubisky. way to go with the, Foles the, over Trubisky. Like I mean, why, why did they trade for him then? I mean, as an insurance policy, but that's almost like you get so. Nick Foles as an insurance policy. I, I think they, I think they bring in the guy with the big dick to uh, to start. Yeah, they're definitely bringing big, 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 big <laughs> dick Foles. Um, to start, then, then Ryan Pace has just got to give in his his two weeks. You know, I mean, <laughs> you can't you can't walk away from the the Mitch Trubisky in year three. I mean, not without firing yourself. So the guy that I think, and I think I think the Bears, you're probably right. You're probably dead right on that one. Um, personally, I think, though, the way it's going to play out is I think for some reason Marcus Mariota is going to be really sought after by, like, week five in Oakland. Or I guess I should say Vegas. Yeah. Um, Th- that certainly could be it. Um, it's a weird signing. By Vegas, I think. Yeah. So, so there's an interesting concept here with the with the the backup quarterback novelty because so how about a team like Miami, right? So is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to be the starter at the beginning of the season? And if they draft a quarterback and they're calling for this rookie quarterback to play over Fitzpatrick, does that make him count as one of those uh, to fulfill this? Or if that player winds up being the starter, does that eliminate him from the conversation? I think you're thinking way too much into this. Uh, I mean, I was just you know just thinking about it a little bit. I also think this story is still to be written. I mean, we Cam Newton doesn't have a team yet, and Jameis doesn't have a team yet. I mean, wherever either one of those guys go, it's going to be talked about like crazy. Right. If uh, one of those guys winds up in New England and Stidham is struggling, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this, this is a little bit of a TBD, but because, um, I, I, yeah, it's... I mean, both quarterbacks are reportedly seeking $30 million a year, so... To to assume that they're going to be in a backup role is probably uh, unrealistic, right? Who, but if they go without the getting that signed, isn't going to draft the rookie, Drew. What? Like that, that's what I don't see. Like who is going to give them starter money? There there are no other teams that aren't in position to draft one. Right right now there aren't. But let's watch after the draft what develops because I personally think that the Patriots are still just sitting there waiting for Jameis's Winston, Jameis's uh, value to or, or consistently Cam. roll down. Or Cam. No, I, th- I think the Patriots are in on Jameis. I, I, I think it's been the plan from the start, to be honest. Um, I think Bill Belichick is playing it very coyly, Chess, like he always checkers. will. Um, and I think he's just waiting, because if, if you don't think that Jameis Winston is a perfect fit for New England, he, he absolutely is, man. I mean, he's, I said it years ago, he's, so... He's, Really, he's 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 got everything that they want. I mean, he he's got all the talent. Can can they can they hone in his off the field issues and you know he's just his bad decision making? Historically, Which says New England does players. They 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 take you know take, island of misfit toys and exactly turn and they turn them into studs. I, I think I think it's the worst possible scenario for the NFL because <laughs> yeah. I think the Patriots just pick up right where they left off, and it's yeah. going to be terrifying. Um, so you know. With that in mind, uh, we were talking about uh, fictional players, but there was a quote this offseason 
uh, from the Chargers, and we're talking about Jameis Winston and, and Cam Newton, but uh, what would you do if your team that you rooted for said that they were all in on Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, and I think Newman hit it hit nail on the head here. You know, there are definitely tiers of teams. Some teams expect to win Super Bowls every year. Some teams expect to go to the playoffs. Some teams just want a winning record. And I think the Chargers fall into that, oh, God, let's just please not be awful. Um, and their coach doubling down on um, all in on Tyrod is just kind of perfectly sums up what that organization is. Um, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I root for a team um, that isn't in that kind of place where they would ever mention that a not even starting starter caliber quarterback would be the guy you'd be all in on. Um, so yeah, I'm very thankful for that. Um, and that's just one of the dumbest statements I've ever seen come out of a coach's mouth ever. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, Tyrod Taylor, we should know what he is, right? If you look at Tyrod Taylor in practice and you watch him practice and you see all the things that he does, you should have an understanding of what Tyrod Taylor can do for you, right? Tyrod Taylor is basically Alex Smith, okay? He's a guy who's scared to make the throw when put in situations where he has to make a tight window throw. He doesn't do it. That's why he doesn't turn the ball over. Teams love these quarterbacks that don't turn the ball over. Sometimes not turning the ball over is a bad thing, right? Because that means you're scared to take some risks. At the end of the day, sometimes you have to take a few risks, right? Uh, is Tyrod an upgrade over Phillip Rivers? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. That's probably pretty close. But I can tell you this. Tyrod Taylor is not going to win the Super Bowl as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Just no. not going to happen. And so as the, as, the, as the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, with a bunch of really good players around him, right? You fortified the offensive line. You've got Austin Eckler at running back. You've got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry all on offense. You've got a pretty good defense, especially with Derwin James healthy. This is a team that has the potential to make a run. You're not doing it with Tyrod Taylor. It's not going to happen. So this is a failed assessment by the coach and probably going to be the death sentence for Anthony Lynn. Yeah. Why aren't the Chargers on Jameis? Now, I, I know I know you guys both, you know, see him going, you know, kind of a dream scenario for New England. But like you just said, Newman, look at all those weapons yeah. that uh, that Jameis would have in in L.A. Like that would be a scary offensive team. Yep. Um, imagine that Chiefs Chargers game. I mean, that score might be 77 to 70. Um, <laughs> it'd be wild. That's that's where I want Jameis to go. I want Jameis to go to L.A. Uh, I think I think that'd be great for Jameis. I think it's um, a great fit, and uh, I think the Chargers are dumb for not having done it already. Yeah, um, I think the all in on Tyrod is is kind of a uh, a distraction. Uh, I, I think it's a bit of a political move that they're doing, maybe to lower the values of the guys that are out there. Um, I mean, the NFL is is quite literally playing chicken with two f- number w- former number one overall picks in yeah. Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, um, and I really think that it's a calculated move. Uh, because you got Jameis, he's reportedly seeking over $30 million a year, um, coming off easily the most polarizing season of all time uh, by any quarterback ever. Um, he's Does he got the tools to score? Does he make too many mistakes? Yes to both. Um, vision's fixed. I mean, those problems are gone. Also, he looks great. Have you seen his latest workout videos? He looks thinner. He's in shape. He's oh, throwing the ball with accuracy. In? Does he look good? I mean, from, from, I mean mm, listen, Jameis is looking good. We, we all judge me, male men uh, all the time, we, especially we'll, Newman. 
Drew has had multiple conversations about Miles Garrett and how much he would have sex with him. So let's not let's not. Whoa, go whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Not sex. I would like to get to know him as a person first, and then maybe after a couple dates, I would let... With consent. You know. Anyways. <laughs> um, but who... Well, let me ask you guys this. Who screws up the draft the most this year, and why is it the Miami Dolphins? Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, what, what, what team's going to mess it up? Um, For me, I mean, the Browns are always going to brown. Um, A lot of... They don't really have any positions where they can mess it up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're probably right with with the Dolphins. Um, they're about as equally inept. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they're, they're, they're probably going to take Tua, right? Um, taking a quarterback that you weren't really able to do any sort of, um, you know, real physician test and, and private workouts or, or anything like that. Um, they're either going to look like geniuses or like idiots when, when they probably take Tua at, at five. Um, so yeah, I mean the usual suspects when it comes to that, probably the Browns or the Dolphins. I've got some interesting names to consider in this. So one would be, uh, how about Dave Gettleman? Uh, he's, he's a really bad GM and the giants pick pretty early in this draft. He'll find a way to screw it up. Uh, that, that I'm pretty confident in. Um, I would also think that Jason Light will probably find a way to screw up the draft. He's drafted multiple kickers, uh, including trading up for one in the second round that he later cut uh, maybe a year and a half later, something like that. So he's a guy who's definitely prone to screwing up drafts. I could totally see him drafting Jonathan Taylor at pick 14 and the Bucks sucking due to the fact that they don't have an offensive line for Taylor to run behind. Um, and then also I think uh, a team like uh, – I mean, I would say the Texans, Bill O'Brien is my number one pick for this spot, but they don't have enough picks to really have an impact in the draft. So he's kind of what already traded. On my part. Great he, call. He's already, <laughs> he's already traded away that, that aspect of, of forfeiting the draft. So, but th- those are just some guys that I'd like to highlight in that area. Yeah. Um, I think the Dolphins are definitely going to screw it up. Uh, I, the Giants saying that they now want to trade back from the fourth overall pick is, I think, is a really smart move. I think they absolutely need to do that. Uh, if you don't need a quarterback, there's no reason to draft that high, um, unless you can get the Clemson linebacker. I, 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 I do think I, I do I do stud. think that changes their entire team if they can get him. Yeah. Um, but if Simmons isn't there, uh, I think they absolutely need to trade back. I mean, that that's a team that's definitely in the rebuilding stage. I do think they have their quarterback, um, and you know. Once you have your quarterback, I don't think that it's necessary to draft that high. So I think teams like that need to certainly uh, move out of that position. But with them moving out of the number four pick, that puts a big question as to who actually gets Tua. Because that makes it just wide open for the entire NFL. Like If the Giants are willing to trade back and and Tua was a presumptive fifth overall pick, uh, that puts you know Miami in a bit of a pickle. Uh, are they going to have to trade up to get Tua? That it's 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 going to be an interesting thing, and we're going to do another podcast this week where we kind of walk through different rounds and and give our picks. This is definitely not what we're doing right now, um, but I think the team that screws it up ultimately is going to be the Dolphins, just because they do it every year. Um, and I think Tua, even if they get him, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that is just so good when he's on the field. But how long is he going to be on the field for? Um, his Wonderlook st- scores, by the way, very low. So not that intelligent of a guy. Um, battling through injuries, like does that guy really have the moxie to to kind of to 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 grind it out? I don't know. 
I think the injury concerns are absolutely the most because he has injury concerns going back to high school, right? So he was injured in high school, injured in college. The NFL is a, is a place that we know players get routine, routinely injured. Like, no, no player gets out of the NFL, go, plays their whole career, and never suffers an injury, right? It just doesn't happen. So th- that's definitely got to be a thing. And if you're going to draft a quarterback high, you need them to be available, right? Because if they're not on the field, then they're not helping you. For sure. So, and there's actually talk of Tua dropping in the draft due to that factor. I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, but <laughs> that's, an, that's an interesting place for a laugh track. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so so going back to the Tua thing, I, I, I don't know that I don't, I think that the Dolphins are really going to screw it up. But going back to what you were talking about with the, with the Giants trading back out of that four spot, do you think that Gettleman is smart enough to properly trade back and get enough value for that pick if he does. And, you know, will they actually pull the trigger and make that trade? Because he's not a guy who's been, who's real, really traded back ever in his career in the NFL draft. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Drew. No, I, I honestly really don't have an answer for it. Yeah, neither do I. Um, one thing that I did want to bring up uh, to kind of give you all, you uh, you Vikings fans a hard time. One of one of my favorite draft memories um, is the Vikings missing a pick, and then less than ten years later missing their pick again. Um, I definitely see with all of this remote reliance on technology, um, some team is going to miss their pick, um, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was the Browns or the Dolphins. Um, but I what. If this prop bet did exist, I would bet for it for a team to uh, to miss their draft slot. Yeah, but which team is going to screw up the draft on a technical sense? Like, who's going to have that biggest technical flaw issue go on? The Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Although Mike McCarthy apparently studied analytics in the offseason. So. Mike McCarthy's, uh, I don't even want to get into it. A guy, a guy, literally, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers has multiple Super Bowls if it wasn't for that guy. Uh, I, I think you could pin a lot of that on Ted Thompson, who was the GM who constructed those teams as well. But sure, Mike McCarthy definitely deserves some blame there. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I The funny thing is I, I don't think he mishandled Aaron Rodgers' development. I just think he mismanaged everything else. And if you're the coach, you have an in with the GM. Uh, so to say that you know Ted Thompson was 100% to blame... I think is inaccurate because uh, Mike McCarthy was certainly in on a lot of those decisions that were made. Um, and God, they just flubbed every pick for like seven years straight. It was, it was insane. So when do the Packers build Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy's statue, right? Cause they built Ted Thompson, a statue after winning the Super Bowl. And oh God, McCarthy, McCarthy should get one too, right? Oh man. Can you imagine the cross eyes on that statue? It sounds terrible. <laughs> Franks and beans. All right, guys, well, we're getting up there, so let's close it out here. Um, I got two more things that I want to talk about. Uh, number one, who's the greatest undrafted player of all time? Talking about the draft, a lot of guys that aren't going to be drafted are going to become good players. But who's the greatest ever to not be drafted? Brandon. Man, I'm, I'm biased. Um, so this may not be greatest, but James Harrison was not drafted. Um, and, you know, went to Kent State. Um, and just had a historic career for, uh, for, for the Steelers. Um, Kurt Warner, I think probably goes down for me as, as the best non-drafted player of all time. Um, he was bagging groceries 
um, while waiting for an NFL contract. Um, if you haven't had the chance to read that story, it is it is a great story. Um, literally bagging groceries on the streets um, before having an NFL career. Um, so yeah, gonna go with uh, gonna go with Kurt Warner on that one. So I think there's a couple ways you could go out to, uh, at the quarterback position other than Kurt Warner. Uh, a guy like Warren Moon, who played, uh, went to Canada, had to go to Canada, succeeded there, and then came to the NFL and really was in command of one of the revolutionary style offenses uh, with with the Oakland or the I'm sorry with the Houston Oilers, right? So you know they were running the the run and shoot, which later developed into further offenses, and teams really took that forward and and that helped develop the way the NFL game was played, but they're famously, uh, they famously have one of the biggest uh, playoff uh, choke jobs of all time. When they, when they choke to the bills with the, with a huge lead uh, during the bills run to their four consecutive Super Bowl losses. Uh, so, he, so he's definitely a guy to consider. And then another guy on a more recent era. And this guy may, may wind up going as a, just one, just one. Well, I, I was just talking about them. I, I haven't actually picked yet, but uh, how about, how about Tony Romo? He's, you know, he he's really an underrated player of all time, and he went undrafted. So, uh, I think I'm gonna go with Moon for this exercise, but I think Romo deserves some conversation. I'm going John Randall. John Randall's story is so fascinating. First of all, he's tied for tenth in all time sacks. For those of you that don't know, John Randall is a defensive tackle, a defensive tackle, a 255 pound defensive tackle, famously. When John Randall was undrafted, he was going to a workout with a team, and basically he heard from one of the NFL scouts or the scouts for this team that unless he weighed 270 pounds, they weren't even going to take a look at him. So what did he do? He took a chain and wrapped it around his waist, this huge chain, and just wrapped it around his waist just so he could clear this workout. We're talking about probably the greatest defensive tackle of all time. Um, the fact that he's 10th, on the all-time sacks list is so insane if you think about what a defensive tackle does. Defensive tackles are not prone to getting a lot of sacks. He has 137 and a half in his career. The guys ahead of him, Bruce Smith, Reggie White, Kevin Green, Julius Peppers, Chris Dolman, Michael Strahan, Jason Taylor, Terrell Suggs, Demarcus Ware, Richard Dent. What do all those players have in common? None of them are defensive tackles. What John Randall did at the position, being as undersized as he was, is unreal. Um, obviously, I'm biased because he's a Viking, but uh, we're talking about just... He's, he's also just one of those feel-good stories. You know, undersized, came in just throwing punches. Like, that, that guy had so much to prove, and he proved it all. And, and you love the face paint. Oh, God, the face paint's the greatest thing. And, and the stories about John Randall... Um, do you remember the, what is it, Little Giants, where they take the uh, Alka-Seltzer or whatever, and they yeah. put it in their mouth to make their, their mouth vote? So that was actually based, I guess, on a, a, a story about John Randall, because John Randall, when he first got in the NFL, he would get down on the line, and he would say the most horrible things to the, to the offensive tackles and uh, guards that were defending against him, just to get a rise out of him. Because he knew. He was this undersized guy, so he just took, he like, basically took on the underdog role, and he just ran with it. One of the greatest defensive players of all time. Um, and yeah, the stories about what he used to say to offensive, offensive guards and tackles is just so hilarious. Uh, go look it up. Uh, but he used to wear this war paint like he was an actual Viking in every single game. And uh, I'm sad he finished his career with the Seahawks because that guy should have retired a Viking. 
Um, but the other player, the other thing that I wanted to talk about right before we go is uh, what position is the riskiest to draft in the first round? The riskiest? Um, I'd probably go running back um, just because you can find value so many other places um, and their shelf life is so short. Like, uh, like Newman brought up, you know, you get that fifth year. Um, I don't have the information off the top of my head, but uh, you know, I, I know that a running backs NFL shelf life is less than five years. So you're not even maximizing their first round value um, taking them there. Um, so yeah, I, I, for those two factors, I'd probably say running back is the most risky to take in the first. So I'm going to go quarterback here. And the reason for this is quarterbacks often require the most financial investment. They require the most development time. There's only one of them that could possibly get on the field at the same time, right? You don't ever put two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. And when you choose a quarterback, you know, your franchise invests in them as the guy, especially in the first round. This is going to be the guy that leads us into our future. Cutting bait with a quarterback after a couple years is kind of surrendering, and it doesn't happen all that frequently. It's happening more frequently. But generally, when you draft a quarterback early, you invest this time in them, right? Like, this is my guy. we got to give him a couple years to play. Those are wasted opportunities, right? If you draft a running back in the first round, he gets hurt year one. Next guy steps up, you may not miss a beat, right? But a quarterback situation, you've chosen this guy. You've handpicked him to be Unless the you trade franchise. For Nick Foles, right, Newman? Unless you trade for Nick Foles. Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, well, the Bears have suffered through, right? The Bears have already squandered a couple of years of potentially Super Bowl winning teams, right? With Mitch Trubisky. So they've already felt that loss. Uh, so that's why I think quarterbacks are the riskiest position to draft in the first round. When else are you drafting them? Like, I, I don't, I, I yeah. guess I maybe don't understand the question. I'm not saying like, it's wrong to draft them in the first round. I'm just saying they, they hold the most risk. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't either. Like, I think it's risky drafting a quarterback in the seventh round. Why? Because he's probably not going to be any good. Um, I think it's the safest to draft a quarterback in the first round. Um, well, I mean, oh. let's just break down the, the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. You got Patrick Mahomes, first round. Uh, who would you put? Maybe Russell Wilson, but third round? So, Drew Brees, uh, first round. Um, Drew Brees was a second round draft pick. Second round, second round draft pick. Uh, I mean, it, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy that falls outside the third round. Tom Brady, the, the, sixth round draft the, pick. The majority of them are all going to fall within the first or second round. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, that, that's why I think it's the safest to draft. I agree. The, I mean, you got... The, Look at all the best up and coming talents. They're all first round picks. Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, uh, Mahomes, uh, guys from last year that were coming out. You know, Kyler Jackson. We just thought we were talking about him earlier. Exactly. I I I don't know. Gardner Minshew. I'm definitely going wide receiver. Uh, and I always quote the 2016 draft. <laughs> this is the first round of the 2016 draft wide receiver wise. Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Bust. Josh Doxson, Bust, Laquan Trebwell. Bust. Three of the four of those guys are all busts. Uh, wide receiver. And the other one can't stay on the field. I mean, you, you look at the best wide receivers in the NFL. Um, a lot of them are first round picks, but <laughs> let's 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 analyze all the guys that have busted in the first round, and it, it is a extensive list. Um, the 2016 draft, obviously, being a highlight because there were so many p- picks actually in the first round that were wide receivers. But uh, some of the guys that were taken later in that draft, by the way. Michael Thomas, 
Sterling Shepard, Tyler Tyler Boyd, um, Tyreek Hill in the fifth round. That's a position to me that you can wait on, and it just it busts too much going into it. So so before we finish up, I do have one more question for you that uh, didn't make our outline here. And uh, that question is, what is your your favorite draft pick of all time? So, like, you were there and your team drafted that player and uh, that wound up being, you know, just like when you watched it in the first round and you were just, like, pretty excited for that player and then they also turned out to be just this great player and, you know, franchise-altering if you want or whatever. Easy. Dalvin Cook. Yeah, for me, it's it's Troy Polamalu. Um, He was electric at USC. He was just an absolute stud, high pedigree, um, you know, just embodies a Pittsburgh Steeler, really, before he even came here. Um, It was a match made in heaven. So for me, it's Troy Polamalu. I'm definitely going Adrian Peterson uh, because Randy Moss. I thought you were going to go Moss. Randy Moss, uh, you know, it was 1998. I was 10 years old. I probably wasn't watching that draft. I watched the hell out of the Adrian Peterson draft, and I was really, really looking forward to us drafting him. We did. He did his things, arguably the greatest running back of all time. Um, and uh, t- to think about the decade that would have taken place, the the nine years or eight years or whatever we had Adrian Peterson for, without Adrian Peterson, it would have been brutal. <laughs> so for me, I'm going to go with my Jets fanhood here, and I'm going to say Darrell Revis. The Jets traded up to get him. They thought people were thinking that they were going to draft Brady Quinn there, and they take Darrell Revis out of Pittsburgh, and he goes on to be, you know, an NFL Defensive Player of the Year and one of the best corner in the league for a few years. And uh, yeah, he 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 reshaped the way that the game played. You know, he was one of those first quarter cornerbacks that we saw for a long time that actually took over the mantle of best player in the league on the defensive side of the ball. He was unreal. I mean, he's he, for three or four seasons he was the definitive number one cornerback in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's kind of just a clown on Twitter. All right, guys. Well, talked a lot about the draft. Um, if you enjoyed this, if you like this, please follow us um, on whatever podcasting platform you're following us on. Um, we are going to start doing a lot more podcasts going forward. Um, so if you enjoyed this, there's going to be a lot more to come. Uh, We already have a couple planned for this week, including some more in-depth breakdowns of the draft. Uh, Today, we were kind of just reminiscing. To be honest, we were kind of just troubleshooting the platform that we're doing. Um, So look for more content to come in the coming weeks. And And stay uh, tuned, everyone. You'll get to hear about Newman's three other Nerding out. (laughs) (laughs) Also a Tennessee Titans fan. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But, uh... Anyways, guys, thank you so much for coming. Brandon, Newman, Jackie, thanks for joining us.